Savannah. It is your girl, Sheree Daring, with another episode of Courageous Conversations with Sheree. I hope you are having a terrific, what is this, day? <laughs> I don't know. It's been so crazy. Before we jump into that, let me jump into this and remind you, you're listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. And you're going to be excited about today. At least I am because this guy has been around the block a few times. And the block, what I mean is the globe, seriously, globally. That's going to be me rolling out some red carpet in just a moment. But you're listening to another episode of Courageous Conversation with Cherie. I'm your girl. And today I have the pleasure, the privilege, and the honor of having none other than the man himself, Jeff Hoffman. Jeff, are you with us? I sure am. I'm glad to be here today. Awesome sauce, cool beans. So who is this man of the hour? Jeff Hoffman is an award-winning global entrepreneur, proven CEO, worldwide motivational speaker, best-selling author, Hollywood film producer, a producer of a Grammy Award, winning jazz album and executive producer of an Emmy award winning television show. In his career, he has been the founder of multiple startups. He has been the CEO of both public and private companies. And he has served as a senior executive in many capacities. Jeff has been a part of a number of well-known successful startups. And that's why I love him, including Priceline.com, Booking.com, UBID, and more. Listen, this is a driving force of many entrepreneur pursuits and enterprises. And I could be here all day just rolling out the red carpet for him. So I know he's had enough of that. We're gonna jump right into this conversation. Jeff, we're talking today about entrepreneurship post COVID. I should back that up. Pre, during, and post COVID. So this is all things small business. And I just want to get a feel from you. You obviously have started many businesses before and many people rely on you today. What does it feel like in this space that we're in? What, what are you sensing? You know, um, I mean, we, of course, we no disrespect to all of the negative, negative things that have happened. Uh, uh, you know, in during COVID to a lot of people, and a lot of families, but, uh, you know, in life, you always have to look for the positive that you can do instead of dwelling on the negative. And, and COVID brought a big positive opportunity for entrepreneurs. Um, what COVID did was throw the entire world, not just our country, the entire world into chaos, and it disrupted everything. But chaos and disruption are literally the alarm clock uh, for entrepreneurs. When chaos happens around you and everything changes, that should be your wake-up call. That's the day you wake up at 3 a.m. because you can't sleep because you just know that since the whole world just changed, it needs you and it needs new solutions and you can create them. So uh, that's what happened during COVID. We suddenly changed the landscape around us and that was a wake-up call for innovators uh, to, to create brand new companies and new ideas during COVID and for existing entrepreneurs to pivot their businesses. So a lot of great things have actually happened during this time because of entrepreneurs. 
You know, I love that. And that was actually one of the questions that I really wanted to deep dive with you guys. This is a fireside chat. Please be a part of this conversation. If you have questions, uh, drop them in the comments and we will address them live here with Jeff. One of the things that I'm thinking about, you said a very essential word that I love is the pivot, right? This was a great setup for me. That's how I'm viewing it, but it's certainly been an opportunity to pivot. What are some examples of ways people have had to pivot in business? Now, granted, there's already been a robust number of people, um, aspiring entrepreneurs, influencers, so forth, so on. But many people had to go from the brick and mortar face-to-face to, -face to yeah. the online platform. What some of the other things that you've seen? Yeah, that, that, you know, that was the biggest, was a lot of businesses. I mean, if you take small businesses around the country, especially, for example, restaurants. Many, many of the little neighborhood restaurants that you walk by never had a website, mm -hmm. and all their traffic was just walk-in. They didn't take online ordering. So the first big change, as you already mentioned, was e-commerce. Yeah. So many businesses um, were simply not prepared for online ordering, and they didn't have e-commerce. So not only did that change the backbone of their company, they went from bricks and mortar to being able to sell what they could online, but it changed the product mix. Yeah. There were some people, for you know, for example, I was talking to a small uh, business, a restaurant recently, to keep with that example, um, that made you dinner when you came in. That's what restaurants do. But for the first time ever, he added a new product line, which were pre-made meals that you just stick in the oven and heat up. He's never done that before. Uh -huh. Instead of only serving food, he said, I'm going to package lunches and dinners and ready to go, just heat them up and eat them. That's a whole new product line he never had. And that's actually selling really well for him um, because everybody wasn't always ready for a hot meal right now that you got to eat when you get it. So going e-commerce, changing your product mix to fit a changing world. But there was a third part, which was fulfillment. Because I'm gonna, again, we'll continue with our restaurant example. Even yeah. if you were able to take orders, how are you gonna deliver it to people? You have waiters, waitresses, a chef, whatever, mm -hmm. not a delivery service. And believe me, the answer is not just DoorDash and Uber Eats because they're very expensive. And so a lot of people, this was another opportunity to help small businesses. So there were a lot of people in communities that would say to me, what can I do here? And I would say, why don't you go build the websites for all the little businesses in your area? Yeah. Help them take orders because they're not tech people and they don't know how to do it. And then the second part, I had people say to me, well, I'm not a tech person either. So I can't help them with e-commerce. I said, then you know what? Get some of your friends, y'all have vehicles and start a new delivery service. And I know people that are that have started their own delivery service, delivering meals. I know people that are going to pharmacies and picking up people's prescriptions because they don't want to go out and leaving them at their doorstep. I know people that are doing grocery delivery, even though there's companies like Instacart, they're doing it in their neighborhood. Their neighbors would rather pay them than some big company and they're charging way less. So if you think locally, what can you do where you live? There's a lot of new opportunities and I'm seeing a lot of people sort of pivot on both sides of the coin and make the best out of this moment in time. Well, I love that. I love that. Maybe it's, I'm biased <laughs> because I'm from a very small community, rural South Carolina, right? Deep South. 
and you have to really be innovative. You got to create opportunities, right? And I had to do it for myself, even as I, you know, what we're building on the back end, which is a much broader goal. But at the same time, I still got to eat, right? I still got to feed my family. I still got to be responsible. And you know, something so simple to our local communities and local entrepreneurs is, I said, how do I leverage uh, my banking career, right? The knowledge that I gleaned from that environment, what do I have at my disposal that can easily turn into a side hustle, right? I don't even like that word, but I said, what can I do, you know, just to create an extra stream of income? You know what I did, Jeff? I just ser seriously just thought about what I had literally at my fingers and it was my notary stamp. As simple as that sound, I turned a notary stamp in a loan signing and mobile notary business where I basically get paid to be convenience for other people, particularly professionals that need documents signed. It could be attorneys, it could be, be other banks. And I close loans on my time when I choose to. In fact, I was in Hilton Head this morning at 8.30 closing a real estate loan for an individual that bought a property in sunny Florida, right? And all I did was sign my name. That was it. It's just being creative and thinking outside of the box. So that is a great example. And there is uh, an exercise that I always tell people to do that we'll tell our listeners today, um, which is to take out a sheet of paper and make a list. You got to do some, some introspection. You got to yeah. dig deep and be honest with yourself and write down everything you have to offer the world. What are your skills? What are your talents? What are your resources? Like you had your stamp. That's a resource. Yeah. What knowledge do you have? Take an inventory of who you are and what you have and write it all down on the left side. Then I tell people to go to the right side of the same piece of paper and write down what changed in the world and what do people need. So you just gave an example. If some of these services, people used to drive to an office to get these transactions done, right. and now offices are closed and they can't go there, then what do they need? They need someone to come to them. They need mobile services that they never had before. Exactly. So your example is perfect. Perfect. Right on the left, what you have, take inventory of yourself, or if you're a company, take inventory of your business. Um, on the right, write down what's changed around me and what does the world need that they didn't used to need, and then try to map those. That's exactly what you did. People need mobile services. I can do it. I'll be there. Just like you said, I'll be in Hilton Head in the morning. So. That's the exercise we want everybody to go through. And that's how you find opportunity is by sort of making those two lists and drawing lines between who you are, what you have, and what you can do for other people. So yours is a great example. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. In fact, I was there this morning before this call, right? And I'm like, oh my God, but I know how to, again, accomplish what I find my priorities, although eating is a priority, right? Keeping the lights <laughs> I mean, really, Shree, keeping the lights on is a priority. <laughs> so that was really good. So as this has now occurred, I know people are thinking, uh, you know, of other ways to actually pivot in this space and how we were able to uh, navigate that. But what do you think the future looks like? Um, you know, there are um, three huge changes in the world, three huge industries. I'm just going to give you these three as an example. Okay. But everything has changed. And that, again, like I said earlier, that creates new opportunities, um, which is exciting. So I'll just give you three. First of all, here's an obvious one, education. We, all over the world, sent all our kids home. 
most of the world's schools, and, and you know at my role as chairman of the Global Entrepreneurship Network, <clears throat> we're on the ground in 180 countries, right? right? I was talking to entrepreneurs and educators all over Africa on a Zoom the other day. All over the world, schools were not prepared for virtual and online classes. They don't know how to do it. Not only did the schools not have the tools they need, but here's one people don't think of. I can't tell you how many teachers have kind of said to me on the side, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know what to do. This The school said, here's the technology, whether it's Zoom or whatever. But I, as a teacher, don't know how to maintain relationships with my students. I don't know if I'm communicating effectively. And they said, I wish I had training app, some kind of tool called how to be a better virtual. There's an opportunity. Parents and students don't know if they're doing this right. So if you're an entrepreneur, you should be looking at the future of education and online education. And there, everybody needs help. We have very few tools to achieve this goal. The same thing applies. There is a new term now that never even existed before called WFH. Sheree, I saw this conversation with someone. One texted WYD, right? What you doing? The other one texted WFH. And I was laughing because just last year, somebody's response would have been WTF with a bunch of question marks, except everybody knows what WFH means now. It's working from home. <laughs> I didn't. Shame on me. I must have been living <laughs> under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> um, so WFH is a thing. But just a year ago, none of us were working from home. Very, very few. And so people are trying to are saying to me, I need better tools to manage my work and home life, right? But more importantly, bosses, anybody that has employees that are now at home, constantly say to me, are there any better tools for managing remote workers? So there's the work from home industry is huge. There's another one. And then the third one is healthcare. If yeah. you can't, doctors, if you can't get to the doctor, the doctor needs to get to you. And I had a funny conversation with my doctor who was yeah. an older guy. And he said to me, uh, he said, Jeff, I can't believe this at my age, but I just did my first Zoom doctor's <laughs> appointment ever. And he said, not only did I like it, and he said, but I just realized that in the past, the only way, only customer I could serve was somebody who could drive to my office, my doctor's office. He said, now I can talk wow. to patients all over the country because it's a Zoom call and they can literally say, look, I want to show you this rash and hold it up and he can take a picture and he can then say, either come to my office or go to a doctor near you, but he yeah. can help more people using technology than he ever thought before. So he's rethinking his doctor practice. Um, with At his age. At so, his age. Yeah, and he never, ever thought he'd be doing that. So there's three massive global industries, education, online work, and telemedicine, that everybody listening could look at that and say, how could I help those people and, and their ways? There'll be a lot more companies launched in the future uh, to do business the way that whatever the new normal is going to be out there. See, you, you, you're a brilliant, a excellent guest. My next question for you was, is there ever going to be a the old normal? What does this new normal means to you? <clears throat> nah, we'll never go back <clears throat> to the way things are. Like, I, I go on TV a lot because people ask me about the future of travel, right? Yeah. So when all of us can take a vacation again or go visit somebody for leisure travel and vacations, of course, we're going to travel when we can again. Right. But business travel, I'm just giving you an example. Yeah. how normal will never be the same again. 
business travel will never be the same again because all these companies that have never had a meeting on Zoom, when they would call a sales meeting, I'm talking about their own employees, everybody would fly to headquarters. Mm-hmm. Now they're saying, why do we ever need to fly again if it's an internal meeting? When it's a customer, I want to fly out there and be in front of them. But a massive percentage of all business meetings are, are internal. They're company meetings and big companies, and they're all telling me, we're never going to do that again. We can do you know five meetings out of six. We'll just do on Zoom because it's our own employees. Yeah. Maybe every once in a while, we'll all fly in. So travel will never be the same because business will never be the same. You know what else is changing? Commercial what? real estate. Um, I'm having all these people that are telling me, we're yeah. never going to lease a big office again because we're now going to go to three days at home and two days in the office. So we don't need this big office. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, all these offices are about to be empty all over the country. And so commercial real estate is changing. What people need is, um, they call it in the real estate industry, hoteling. And what it means is not a hotel. It means like a hotel, I just rent an office for the day because I'm meeting with William and he and I have to go over something. Right. Right. I'm not going to invite him to my house. I need an office. So I rent an office from eight to 12. When I need an office, the rest of the week I'm working at home. So they'll convert offices into these hoteling, rent them as you need them, office spaces. So there's another example. Commercial real estate will never be the same either. Lots of ripple effects of how the world changed. Absolutely. That's pretty. Now here's, this has nothing. Well, I guess it does because without our wellness, our mental health, I mean, it's a domino. So I'm thinking about the balance, the work-life balance. What is your perspective on that now that we are literally at home and we're also at work at the same time, the work from home, WFH? I think a big thing is that um, a lot of people, (laughs) some people will get mad at me for saying this, (laughs) a lot of people had to face their reality. Oh my God. I'm, I can't deal with the kids, the family situation, whatever. So you just go to work. Uh-huh. Oh, that's good. I'm not, oh, wow, I like that so much. <laughs> you were forced to face each other and you're going to be home every day. So you might as well sit down and work out a better lifestyle that works for you, your kids, your significant other. Let's talk and let's figure all this stuff out. So a lot more people now, we know there's bad news, right? Sadly, things like domestic abuse are on the rise. Gone up. Yeah. Child abuse because of people that are stuck at home all the time that probably shouldn't be together anyway. And now you couldn't escape by going to work, right? That's the downside, but let's, let's do this. Let's find the silver lining and say that hopefully that will cause a lot of people to realize that they need to be out of that relationship. On the positive side, people are sitting down and saying, we all need to figure out a flow, a relationship and living flow that works for everybody. And they never really faced that before. So I'm hearing a lot of people that are saying, we had our first family meeting ever, where we sat down and said, guys, this ain't working like this. Let's figure this out so that everybody's happy. Yeah. So I think that the work-life balance thing for a lot of people that knew they had to fix it and just avoided it, now they were forced to face each other. And I know a lot of people that are finally saying, we're, stop- we're talking amongst ourselves about what balance is. How much should I work? When should I stop working? You can't be online all the time, but then they're also sitting at home. And if their kid's at home, they're seeing that their kids are on their devices all the time, right? So I've seen a lot of people where I live, a lot of people, there's a walking trip. And there's a lot of people that take evening walks with friends and family that they never did before. 
because literally they put down their devices and they go outside in the fresh air. Yeah. And I don't think they would have done that if everybody was at school in a different office all day and we didn't really see each other. So I think there's going to be a lot of improvement in people's work-life balance when this is all said and done. I think it's an opportunity for true wellness all the way around, a holistic type of way, and more importantly, uh, connection. Because we crave connection. We crave to be together, although it may not have felt like it pre-COVID. <laughs> but after being uh, on punishment for a while, you really want to get out <laughs> and play yeah, a little exactly bit. exactly right. <laughs> so listen, I'm curious to know what's exciting for you. What do you view as exciting? You've been in the business world for a very, very long time. How do you stay excited in this space? So uh, super good question. Um, and it's that what one of the things that, you know, we know what the downside is, we're all stuck at home and having to do everything on tools like Zoom and others. But here's the upside. Um, I have spoken to, what I used to do is some weeks I'd be, some months I'd be in a different country every week. Right. Right. But I can only meet people, right? I, I, you know, I would talk to people in South Africa when I went to South Africa. But I actually did, since COVID, uh, my office figured this out. I have uh, talked to entrepreneurs and business owners in 110 countries. Well, from I could your, never from your that. computer. Yes, I could never do that before because I would say, well, I can only fly to one country. It takes a week to go round trip. So there's one. But I've been able to connect with people all over the world. So what excites me that should excite everybody is this opportunity for all of us to talk to people all over face-to-face, -face, you know, it, it, the best you can, right? It's still better than a phone being on, on something like Zoom that you never could before. So you should be building new relationships all over the country, all over your city, all over the world, if you want, um, during this time, because we're having a chance to meet people we would never meet before. Like I, for example, I just finally gave in and got on the Clubhouse app today. Did you? You did. Did you get an so, iPad or did, did it work to your uh, Android? No, I just got it. I just started today. I don't even know yet. But as soon as I signed up, I got, you know, started meeting people from all over that were contacting me there. That's just one more example of today's online tools enable you to create new relationships. And I think that's really exciting. Everybody should be meeting new people online during this time. Yeah, that's cool. Now, here's a question off of that comment. Do you think relationships is a form of currency? I think it is literally the most valuable form of currency. I'm glad that you asked that. I especially try to teach young people this. I spend a lot of my time every week. Uh, a big percentage of my time is simply relationship management. It's checking in, saying hello. Um, <clears throat> and managing relationships. Here's why. The mistake most people make, and trust me, I know this personally, because you know when people contact me when they need something. Mm. Hey, Jeff, I need to borrow some money, whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm fine, thanks. And people are like, I didn't ask how you were. And they're like, uh-oh, <laughs> I didn't ask how he was doing. Um, really? <laughs> you, don't, <clears throat> you don't reach out to your relationships when you need them. You build your relationships and you show gratitude all the time. <clears throat> but I'm just telling you, that is not what most people do. Most people only reach out to me when they want something from me. And I'm just using that as an example. So I'm not- No, I love it. I understand completely. Other you people. I try to make it a point to, to respect, manage, show gratitude for relationships on an ongoing basis. 
And so that by the time if I ever do need something, uh, people are much more willing in your network. It is, you said it exactly right. Relationships have a currency, right? When you ask somebody for something, you have just cashed in, you know, relationship equity, right? So you better think about your ask. Because yeah. if you're going to ask me for something and then ask me again next week, I'm like, I just did something for you last week is what yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. So yeah. it's relationship equity. Likewise, the more thing, the more you give to others and do things for others, you wind up having relationship equity in the bank deposited, right? It's more likely that someone's going to say, sure, I'd be glad, glad to help Cherie. She's done so much for me. Then someone to say, oh, Sheree hasn't called me all year and she called me now and she wants right, something. Right, right, right. Relationships are currency and it's the most valuable currency you have. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe in karma? Let me set it up this way. To every action, the, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Do you think what we put out, we get back? 100%. <laughs> um, I always phrase it this way. I always tell people, uh, that the, um, I always t tell people that you get back from the university energy you put into it. Mm -hmm. If you are a negative person that's always complaining, guess what's going to come back to you? Mm -hmm. If you are a positive person, that's also not just karma, but the law of attraction is karma. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, yes, I agree with you. You get back from the university energy you put into it. Be positive, right? Be a, a smiling, outgoing person, and that's what will find you. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Wow. And the whole show gratitude, I did want to come back to that because I had a thought as you were speaking. And this is a personal thought from me. I actually reached out to William um, a little while ago and said we needed to show you appreciation. I don't know if you remember, but at the end of the year, I sent you just a thank you for just of your course. time. Right. That's and, extremely but, important to people. Yes, and it was equally important to me, which is why I did that. But I will tell you what can be an Achilles heel for an individual like me. I can't speak for the globe. I can only speak for me. For me, I so appreciate anybody that I have an opportunity to spend time with or that would, you know, take a moment to engage in a conversation with me. Just a conversation, right? And, and that time is money to me, right? So I don't want to minimize that. Like you didn't write a check, but you gave me your time. No, it's equal to me. But with that being said, for someone like you, the way the world sees you, right, Jeff? And I'm speaking about you specifically. For me, I'm thinking, how, what can I give him? How can I show my gratitude? What, is that a gift? Because what I did, I sent the book Unstoppable Teams to yeah. my team. Yeah, to, to my board uh, during Christmas. And, and we were thinking about you as well. And I'm like, I don't even know what to get. So when, for those that really want to love on you, and I'm going to use that word affectionately, what are some things that you like that you would even accept? Um, for me, uh, <clears throat> you know, the best things, gifts that I ever get are when people, can you hear me okay? I can. Okay. Yes. Uh, are when people pay it forward. Yes. Um, much more important. I, I, I'm not a material person at all, so I don't care for gifts, things at all. And I don't really want people to do anything for me. I've already been very blessed, way more than I deserve in my life. But what I love is when I hear stories that people have paid it forward. I, I got a, a message from a young girl recently, a young lady, sorry, that sent me a note that she said, I was thinking about what you said 
And so I reached out to a bunch of young girls in the community where I live, and I'm mentoring six young girls now. And she said, I'm doing that because you inspired me to do that. That's the best message I could ever give. Yeah. Because that's the ripple effect. She yeah. said, I just want you to know that because of the time you took for me and, you know, you told me just pay it forward. She said, now I have six young little girls that I mentor once a week and I am loving it. That's the coolest thing you can do is share. Yeah. People share their story or just if anything we did helped you in some way. When somebody sends me a note, I, I got one of these yesterday too, from somebody said, I was really struggling in my life and I felt stuck. And I listened to one of your, uh, I listened to one of your talks online and it helped me see the light. And now, uh, you know, everything's different in my life. Thank you for sharing. That means a lot. That, that means that in some way I contributed some value, even if it's only a little bit that helps somebody in some way. So the answer to your question is thank you is extremely powerful. Yeah. Um, and paying it forward is is even better because I just love to see the ripple effect that any one of us can have by doing our best to help somebody in the world. And then well, I will share that. Yeah, I will tell you this. You will never see the ripple effect that you have had in this world. <laughs> I hope you don't close your eyes and go to heaven anytime soon, but <laughs> just know that I think you, uh, your legacy will totally outlive you and, and you can bet uh, best believe that uh, we are paying it for it. And I say that affectionately on behalf of William, because if you guys never met, I may not have uh, ever met you. And I want to honor him publicly and say thank you uh, for that as well. And now, that's your that's your karma thing, right? Your law of attraction. It is. Things it happen is. for a reason. That's how William and I met in the first place. Those things don't happen accidentally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's a beautiful connection. You know, I'm curious to know when you do a lot of these interviews, is there a question that that people don't ask that you would like them to ask? <clears throat> I don't know. That was a good one right there. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's a tough one. I don't really think so. I think you just asked it, actually. Um, <clears throat> so the one that people don't really ask is that one, is what they can do. A lot of times people say, Jeff, we appreciate all the work you do around the world helping people. Um, I'm not doing it for someone to say thanks, you know, to, to, to say that. I'm doing it because it's what I want to do. Um, but uh, when people ask what you ask, what can other people do, right? Um, what can we do and, and how can we help make more ripples in that sort of pond of helping others? That's a great question because then it, we get to talk about it and then other people sometimes say, you know what? I feel like I haven't done my part yet and I want to step up. So you asked the question that I wish I would hear more often is other people saying, I want to make a difference. What can I do? I love that. I'm going to have to borrow that. I will brand it with your name, but or quote you, but I absolutely love that. We do have a question. If you don't mind. Sure. Says, what do you think about conferences, et cetera? And how do you think they will convert since clubhouse is here? Um, I, I am obviously, since I do uh, speak all over the world, I do conferences. I've been doing them for many years. Um, nothing beats uh, the face-to-face -face interaction of being able to go sit down, have a cup of coffee, and get to know people. So when conferences come back, I will continue to go to conferences, and I think a lot of people will. However, we don't need to do every conference in person and virtual conferences are a big new business 
They're a good business. They're important. And especially, forget COVID. Let's say COVID was gone right. and everybody was vaccinated, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, COVID's an obvious one. But the less obvious is post-COVID, what if the conference is in San Francisco and I can't afford to fly there? In yeah. the past, I just couldn't go. In a world of the new world of virtual conferences, you can still attend. So we'll be able to attend more conferences and I'll be able to attend one that's in Johannesburg, South Africa now without flying there. Virtual conferences are great. And even though we don't get to meet <clears throat> in person, the reason that I'm saying it's so important that we continue to create more conferences is because of what you and I already discussed. The power of your network is everything. Yeah. And building relationships and networking and creating that relationship capital is so critical to your success as a business and as a human. So conferences are a great way to meet so many people in the world. So I'm a big fan, always will be online and offline. Go to awesome. them. So now I, I don't want to be uh, the bearer of bad news, but this morning I noticed that there was an article or C CNBC posted that the Fed system that allows bank to send money back and forth went down for several hours. I bring that up because we're becoming much more reliant on the internet, but there it'll be times when there'll be issues. So speak to us about the inevitable. Well, wh which part, I wanna make sure I'm clear. About, you know, we're heavily- well, about what's inevitable. The, the internet going down, not being completely stable. Like I'm in rural South Carolina, it's spotty okay, yeah. coming so, in and all that jazz. So actually that problem came up for a completely different reason that none of us saw, which was politics. Really? When, yes, when Twitter and Facebook started deciding that they would just block whoever they feel like, forget Trump, that was an obvious big political thing. But just in general, Mm -hmm. Politics started Twitter deciding that they would be the controller of our culture and they'll block whoever they want and they'll leave on whoever they feel good about, right? They literally have people that are inciting terrorism that they allow on there. And then they have other people that they don't like politically that they block. Totally unacceptable, totally not American. Twitter does it and Facebook does it. So what happened was everybody, and trust me, you know, I, I got discussed this with a lot of friends, I, even friends of mine. You know, I'm friends with, uh, uh, for example, the guy that invented the internet, Vint Cerf, and who created it in the first place. A lot of us, when all that stuff happened, we weren't taking sides politically. What we were saying is we can't have an internet that is controlled by a small number of people. And so what everybody said was, let's start creating massive new server farms that are alternate internets. So there isn't one path through the internet, right? If Twitter or Amazon or Facebook could block you, they can only block you if you're on Twitter, Amazon or Facebook, right? Because we were all kind of going through these giant channels. So what's happening now that people don't know because they're not talking about it yet, there are massive groups of people with big money who are building parallel internet services, basically parallel server farms so the internet will never be able to go down because it will just switch over. If one, the internet's not one thing, it's tons and tons of servers, routers, and switches. If one set of them goes down, another set will just switch over and it won't be able to happen again. So the good news is the problem is being solved for a reason, not because people said, what if this stuff goes down? Yeah. But because people said, I don't want you telling me what I can and can't do on the internet. They did it for 
uh, you know, amendment for our constitutional right to free speech. So the problem's getting fixed, and I think that's great news. If one set of servers, the way you get on the internet goes down, it'll roll over to another one, and we're going to have more backup systems to the backup systems than we ever had before. You know, I think that's so critical, the information you just shared, because for us, the end user, you know, we have our gadgets that we're operating on all day, every day. But I, two reasons why I pose that question. One is because, first of all, most of us don't understand a lot of the behind the scenes that's taking place, like their server farms you just mentioned, not be totally reliant on one form of communication, but there'll be other um, alternatives or backups. But then the second thing I'm thinking of back to the small business owner, but the older ones that are skeptical of using the internet in the first place that have to like, yeah. So by the way, that's not going to end. Right. But, um, that generation is yeah. moving out of the position of authority or power anyway, right. As millennials and then Gen Z, et cetera, as the next generations become the decision makers and the buyers of products, that generation of people that doesn't want to get online, unfortunately, uh, just gets less and less relevant. Um, so unfortunately, uh, what I'm seeing, by the way, and it's interesting because this goes back to part of the conversation we had earlier. Let's say it's an elderly person that just doesn't want to get on and doesn't want to use it. Mm -hmm. um, but they still need, they can't go to a pharmacy now anymore. Right. And they still need their prescription. As an example, that's the opportunity I was talking about before as I run into people that say, hey, there's a whole generation of people that don't want to use the internet, but still need their stuff. So I'm going to do an outsource. I'm going to call them and say, I'll be your internet person. Just tell me what you need. You don't have to touch the internet. I'll touch it for you and I'll deliver everything you need. So you see, that's yeah. a great, a smart, innovative new business idea. Go yeah. find all the people that don't want to use the internet and use it for them because you can't get around it anymore, but they don't want to use it. And so now they don't have to because they've got somebody that's doing it for them. I thought that was smart when I when I first saw that. You know what I think is smart? Tell me. <laughs> Problems. As crazy <laughs> as that sounds. Problems. I think that's what entrepreneurs are. We're problem solvers. And if we can find a solution to someone else's pain point, that's a business model. That's yeah. a business idea. I, here's something I, I thought about at the beginning of our conversation that you said with me in one of our first conversations was, um, there's a lot of great people with great ideas, but not many of them properly execute on them. Right. If they that, execute at all. Most people are ruled by fear. What if, what if, what if? Fear of failure, everything could go wrong, it might go wrong and they don't try. So what you find out is some of the world's most successful people <clears throat> actually weren't smarter than you at all they just were brave enough to try and you weren't. You were oh, sitting there are you serious? all we hear the that. reasons why something could go wrong. And they're like, heck, I'm just going to try and see what happens. So execution is all about taking the first step, right? That old, that old proverb that a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. step, take it already. And so that's why I always talk about the fact that so many good, and then you're sitting on your couch later watching TV a success story and you're like oh i had that was my idea right <laughs> the difference between you and that girl on tv was you just kept talking about it on the couch and she got up and said i'm going to see if i can do this thing so that's probably one of my most important pieces of advice just try start somewhere the everybody already knows you don't know all the answers but if you're afraid of the potential for failure or if you're afraid of not knowing 
then you'll never start and you'll be watching everybody else on TV be successful and saying, oh my God, that was my idea. So that's a good point. How would, what would you say to an aspiring entrepreneur right now that easily gets distracted and all of the shiny objects that how can they decide on one particular thing and stick with that as they start, right? As they sure, get so started, as they try. That's a great question because one of my, uh, one of the things that I always say when I speak uh, is I talk to people about um, winning a gold medal at one thing. Mm. So uh, people need to pick one thing. People tell me I got five ideas. I say, good, get rid of four of them. All of the people, when you study success models, and I've been doing that my whole life, you study the most successful people in the world. They had this one word in the vocabulary that no one else has. It's called no. <laughs> Everybody that distracted them, they said no. It's a discipline problem. They had a discipline problem to say, no, not right now. I'm working on this. I'll see you next year. When yeah. I was in the travel biz and we were selling hotel rooms, people would call me and I would say, look, if, you're not having, if you don't have an idea for how to sell more hotel rooms, I'll see you next year. I'm going to finish this first. And then later, when I was in the music biz and people would say, hey, check this out. I got this cool new idea. I would have to say, if you don't have an idea to fill up the seats in Friday night's concert, call me next year. Saying no to every distraction until you finish the thing you set out to do, not only enables you to get there faster, by the way, it also helps you fail way faster. My Yay. dumb ideas failed really fast so I could survive them because I, I, I didn't do anything else. And so I was more focused, put all my energy into one thing. So when it didn't work, I knew pretty quick. Um, but anyway, the discipline to say no and tune out the noise is what the winners have that everybody else doesn't have. I'm gonna give you a quick random example. It's not even a business yeah. one. Um, a few years ago, uh, Derek Jeter and I were working together, the, the Yankee player, to uh, on a deal to buy a baseball team on Miami Marlins. And I remember Derek talking one day about the fact that his whole career was with the New York Yankees, but his whole life was lived in that whole career in Tampa, Florida. Yeah. And the reason that he lived in Tampa he said was, I want to be the best baseball player I can possibly be. And I don't want to get caught up in the allure of New York City. I don't want to be caught up in the clubs, in the nightlife, in the New York scene. If I stay in Tampa, where it's quiet and sunny, I can hit a baseball outside every single day. That is what the winners do. They tune out the noise. And Derek said, until I'm a World Series champ, and it turns out he's been to five of them, right? I need to tune out the noise. Right. And, and so his discipline to say no to, to the allure of New York and to live in Tampa, even though he was a Yankee, so that he could focus on being good is what everybody should learn. Say no to everything else until you finish the thing you set out to do. Wow. We're, we're getting to the end of this interview, and I so appreciate your time. What I heard you just state right now is that he, first of all, had keen awareness of himself, his own strengths and his weaknesses or opportunities for growth, I like to say. You got it. Um, but he also was willing to sacrifice, <clears throat> right? The immediate pleasures, if you will, in order to tune out the noise, I would insert distractions. So my question to you, Jeff, is how important it is for winners, uh, and I consider myself a winner, I know you do too, to be aware, self-aware of their own strengths and weaknesses. Um. 
absolutely critical. And so one of the things that I've talked to you and William about and that I talk about all the time is whatever you're trying to do in life, you can't do it alone anyway. So quit kidding yourself. You're not as smart as you think you are and you're not as good as you think you are. You will only win when you are surrounded by teammates. I'm gonna use a quick sports analogy and then sure. we can do a kind of a wrap up, a final wrap up. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things people don't know, well, here's a visible example of winners. LeBron James goes back to Cleveland and they say, LeBron, win us a title. You know what the first thing he said was, oh no, I can't win a title. We. I can, a team can, but he said to the owner, you need to get me Kyrie Irving, Kevin James, and re-sign, sorry, Kevin Love. You need to re-sign, you need to get me Kevin Love, get me Kyrie Irving, and re-sign Tristan Thompson. Then we can win a title. Never did he say, I can do this. He said, right. I can't do it without them. Here's another interesting thing people don't read about or know. Tom Brady, at one point in the Patriots, gave up some of his salary to make sure they could re-sign Julian Edelman because he didn't think he could win. He gave up some of his salary to sign some offensive linemen. Winners recognize that you don't do it alone. Peyton Manning gave up some of his salary to sign players that he needed. So there's a common element of winners is that they recognize what their strengths are, but they also know their weaknesses and where they need help. If you want to win, make a list of what you're good at and just do that. Then make a list of what you're not good at and go find people that are good at those exactly. things to surround yourself with. That is when you win, not when you think you can do it alone. That's what I was going to say. For those people that think they are great at everything, right? I call them a jack of all trades, master of none. And I don't say that to, you know, intimidate or hurt somebody's feeling. I think it goes back to being self-aware. We can't be great at everything. So master no. that one thing. How, was, how did you identify your own greatest asset, talent, or skill set? Um, honestly, uh, just uh, from being out there trying what we said earlier, you got to jump in and try and start something. And it wasn't until I just jumped in and started building things that I quickly found out what I was good at and what I wasn't. For example, I'm a software engineer by trade. That's my degree. Yeah. And as soon as I started working with other coders, I found out how badly I sucked. <laughs> they literally asked me to, to get my fingers off the keyboard and stop helping them. Um, and I was like stunned and depressed that day. And they're like, dude, you're really good at explaining things. Why don't you go into marketing? And it turns out the rest of my life, I spent really as the marketing person, not the tech designer, not the finance person, et cetera. So you find your strengths by doing. And by the way, finding out you're bad at something is very valuable information because you can say, okay, I don't need to do that again. So, but you were open to receiving that feedback from your team that actually told you what you'd be awesome at. They had already yet obviously saw it. Yeah, I, I, yes, that's true. So you got to listen well. Wow, that's awesome. All right, we're wrapping up. My last question was uh, regarding the work, obviously, that we're doing with the brand new CDFI, right? And with a focus on minorities, women, African-Americans, you name it with providing the access to capital to start, launch, grow, and scale. We've had this conversation before. What words of encouragement would you speak to to this particular audience? Uh, to say that again, to tell them what, I just wanna make sure I'm clear. This particular group of entrepreneurs get started, but they never scale. What would you say to encourage them? Yeah, so that is honestly uh, about mentorship and education. 
When I work with, and, and as an example, when we started our business for all grant program during COVID to give cash grants to many small businesses, a lot of you have seen, uh, might've seen the, the television service announcements that uh, my friend and partner Pitbull, uh, the, the, art, the singer Pitbull and I did together. Um, what we discovered was that Hispanic owned and black owned businesses, and third, by the way, was female owned businesses are not scaling like other businesses. And so when I went and talked to a lot of black business owners and I keynoted uh, black tech conference, I keynoted the black uh, business association conference. I've had a chance to work as an example with a lot of black business owners all over the country. No one's ever taught them how. They've never had somebody come in and say, here is how you expand your business from one location to 12. Here's how you grow. So the issue is they're not getting access to the education that other people are. And that's why we've been trying to provide more mentoring. So for those of you who are listening that have skills in growing a business, go mentor the people. And you're, it's not that your business, for people listening, it's not that your business won't scale. And it's not that you wouldn't be able to get money, funding from someone to scale. It's that scale is a science too. And somebody needs to teach it to you. So if you're wanting to learn how to scale, get the education for it. For example, that's a class. I teach, I teach a workshop called Explosive Growth. Um, and if you're someone that's already been successful in business, offer to mentor people in your community to show them how you grew your business. Wow, that's fabulous. Listen, any last words? I have one challenge for you before we get off, but I want All you right. to wrap, wrap us up with any last words that you want to share to our audience today. You've been fabulous and I so appreciate you. You bet. Um, I think... Uh, I think we already really hit it, which is my last words would be um, to, uh, to be brave and try. The whole world has changed and now is your time to go out and make a difference. Uh, the world needs all the help that it can get right now. And uh, uh, this is your moment, right? Be brave, go out and try something. Don't be afraid of failing, Being a, be afraid of not trying. I love it, I love it. You're amazing, I appreciate you. I mean, this was, a million dollar conversation for me. I am so privileged to have this opportunity to speak with you. And so my challenge is, Jeff, it's easy. It's really easy. All you need is a piece of paper that you don't need anymore. I need you to ball it up and I need you to shoot your shot. <laughs> I need you to toss it in the trash from where you are and let's see if you can make it. That is the shoot your shot challenge. <laughs> We're talking, I can't hear you. I think you're muted. Okay, I see a trash can across the room. Uh-oh, let's I see if you make you it. If it goes in. <laughs> Here we go. Yes. Oh, yep, I it. heard it. I heard it. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> that is Thanks, guys. Thank you, man. You take care. That was our shoot your shot challenge with All our right. endowment fund. Have a beautiful day. We'll be in touch soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's another episode of Courageous Conversations with Cherie. I was just on with the one, the only, Mr. Jeff Hoffman himself. William, are you still hanging on with me? Was that not terrific? That was pretty amazing, man. Yes. Yeah. That was definitely amazing. Just having Jeff on and bringing that knowledge and, and just, I mean, just his knowledge and information that he's able to bring to a huge platform where people can listen and they can take the information and run with it. Well, hold the line for me. We're going to have an after show with you and I, and we're going to just talk through 
um, some of that. I thought that was absolutely amazing. It'll be short and sweet and we'll wrap up in just a moment, William. All right, dude. So I'm back with you, Will. We're still live on Facebook, but that was absolutely terrific. I had so much fun with him. And did you see at the end, he actually uh, shoot his shot and hit the trash can. We got you. We got to share that um, on social media. He is such a gift. I am so delighted yes. that I had this opportunity to speak with him today. And it just goes to show how amazing our God is, right? That he yes. would allow us the opportunity. He said, your gift will make room for you and you, put you in front of great men. Great men. That was a billionaire. Right. Just as long as we stay diligent. Yes. And humble and humble. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was a billionaire with a B and he is so down to earth, you know, and he's such an inspiration that for me just means what he just wrapped us up with saying, man, just get started. The world needs us. The world needs us. So that was Do fabulous. It. What are some of your takeaways? I'm just curious. I don't want to yeah. take all your time. Yeah. I mean, some of my takeaways was just do it. Right. Just do it. Don't, don't let fear get in the way. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let fear overtake you, right? Just push it out the way and say, uh, really, I'm going to just do it. I'm going to put my first step forward. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. I mean, just try at least, right? Because I believe Michael Jordan said it something. I can't remember the exact quote, but he said, I would fail if I didn't try. But as long as I try. Yeah. Like, you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah, then, Jeff was basically saying, fail, fail fast. And I ensured it fail forward. You know, you're yes. doing it. And some things are not going to work out. But I think you're learning along the way anyway, which is a great lesson. Like, yeah. so we're getting something out of it. It's not yeah. a waste. It's not in vain. It is not in vain. I'm so excited for that. That was an amazing interview. We just flowed right through it. Yeah, and I'm yeah. So delighted. He gave us that time today to do that. Jeff chose to actually mentor us with obviously the things that we're doing behind the scenes and yes. it's just phenomenal. Everybody doesn't have those type relationships. And so I want to call us the spoil kids, right? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> we the spoil yeah, I was, I was, uh, just going to encourage people to, I mean, just try something, right? If you have an idea or some, you want to go into career wise or whatever, just try, right? Cause you never know what that step, that first step can take you. Okay, I'm a testament of that. Yeah. I had no idea where my first steps were going to take me, but <laughs> and darn, was it hard? Absolutely, it was a pain in the butt for my. <laughs> <laughs> but is it worth it? It is. Just oh yeah, it's definitely worth it at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're looking at the bigger picture, right? There's always yeah. going to be obstacles and everything uh, that's in front of you. But if you look, if you look at the bigger picture, yeah, it look way beyond that. Yeah. And you know, that just reminds me of something we were talking about recently about choosing your hard. Yeah. Life is, gonna be, life is gonna be hard gonna be regardless. Hard anyway. Right. So you're gonna be hard just living an average, uh, mediocre type of life, you yeah. know? Or are you gonna create the life you know, at least strive to create the life the that life you, you love, want. that right. you want, right? Yeah. And then if whatever hard comes with that, then own it. That don't yeah. own that. That's pretty yeah. cool. I'm so excited, but I'm not going to take your time. You've been so patient as we were asking him those questions. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it again myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Got to send it to me too, so I can. I will. That's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Send me absolutely. The file so I can post it. Okay, Kubis. Okay. Uh, but I will send it to you, and you can most definitely use it uh, for us. But I'm I'm delighted. Fabulous day today, Thursday. I didn't know what the day was. 
but it is Thursday. Thankful Thursday. So God bless you, Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Well, I will be talking to you soon, friend. Good, good. Thank you, Sheree. Okay, bye-bye. All right. And that's another episode of Courageous Conversations with Sheree. I'm your girl, Sheree Darian. I want to remind you that the viewpoints expressed in the preceding program are not necessarily those of WRUU, its staff, or its license holder. Peace out, Savannah. See you next week. How many times have you heard WRUU's corporate underwriting message? If you remember it, then your potential customers remember your message as well. We are offering this space to connect corporate and institutional partners with our loyal and active listeners. Underwriting on WRUU is short, so listeners don't tune out. It's exclusive, so your message won't be lost in advertising clutter. And it supports Savannah's only community radio station. For a marketing package to increase your reach beyond traditional media, email underwriting at wruu.org. America's Second Harvest of Coastal Georgia and McCraney Property Company are sponsoring a free drive through food distribution at Memorial Stadium, 101 John J. Scott Drive, Savannah, on Saturday, March 6th from 8 a.m. until 10 a.m. or until the food runs out to provide a week's worth of fresh food to feed over a thousand families in need. Those wishing to attend should enter via Skidaway Road southbound and right onto Eisenberg Drive. Again, that is a free drive through food distribution at Memorial Stadium, 101 John J. Scott Drive, Savannah, on Saturday, March 6th from 8 a.m. until 10 a.m. or until the food runs out. Mm-hmm.